So hello and welcome back now for episode four. Wow, four of, <laughs> of that's a shame. That's a shame. With uh, with go on host. No, you first. Declan and oh no, and Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> wow, garbled introduction. <laughs> well, we've nailed that. So. Bold start. Yeah, it's. There's more of that kind of quality. Should we do it again, up, listeners? Would you yeah, like okay, to go on. Let's try and get like a slick format down where we, because I think we have to go into our names early. Right. And that's okay. also a note I put on the, both of our scripts to look back on. Oh right, but that's it. another story for another time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Well. Right. So let's say something like, oh, "No, you do it, don't you?" So you go. Okay. All right. So hello and welcome now for episode four. Mm, it's very enthusiastic. Of, well, what? Isn't that the idea? Um, I suppose so. We don't want to give like false advertising for the kind no. of enthusiasm they can expect for the show. No, no, no. But I figure, like I said, start in a, up in a previous one. Like if we start high, mm-hmm. because we inevitably end low. Okay, no, that makes. They've sense. at least had something. I don't think Fair I'm enough. morose. <laughs> I'm a- Hello and Hi welcome guys. to episode four <laughs> with me, Eeyore, <laughs> with my burst balloon. Remember that one where he takes a burst balloon. <laughs> To Eeyore's party. <laughs> that for that birthday, Eeyore gets a broken pink balloon, a pot of honey that Winnie the Pooh, the obese bastard, <laughs> couldn't help but eat on the way. On the way there. And what else? There's something else shit. Like a bit of mud or something. I think it's his mother's skull. I'm gonna look that up <laughs> while you do an introduction. Alright, okay, so am I going again for the third time? Yeah. Okay. This is all part of the show, though, so people can hear the process. Yeah, I know. This is very postmodern. It is. Isn't That's it? us. Right. So, hello, and welcome, now for episode four of That's a Shame oh. podcast. I'm Declan, and, and with I'm me... Isaac. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let me say, you know, don't say do no, an introduction, don't and, then just, me. and then just cut in over the top of it. Look, I so think do you want me to say down. Do you, do you want me to say with my co-host, or not? No, I don't. I don't okay. want to be just a co-host. So, I want to be a, an absolute pallbearer of this <laughs> funeral of a podcast. <clears throat> Look, I've just searched Eel's birthday party, and the first thing that comes up is that it's a day-long festival in Austin, Texas. Oh, wow. Let's it go. It occurs on the last Saturday of April in Austin's Pease District Park. Looks horrible. Wow, sounds it. All kinds of, like, <clears throat> colourful felt hanging up everywhere. Oh, no. But anyway, that's dreadful. So here we are, episode four. Indeed. Um, pretty good. We've released two so far, one more releasing today. Oh, I keep saying I'm not going to give away the date, and then I just do I every episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so pathetic. Oh, well, well maybe it's we a, don't mind about giving away the date, then. It's a conceit that lasts, at most, mm, not five minutes into every episode. Well, I suppose the point I'm making is that we're still ahead of the release, so Indeed. if people are expecting up to the minute news, then you're frankly a week behind <laughs> in every sense. And this is the wrong podcast either way. <laughs> yeah, but even if it was just news about like what we're doing, like because by the time this comes out, one or both of us could have been murdered, not by each other, but by just the difficulties of the world. That is a that's actually a real problem. Horrible, isn't it? Because because I don't have the password to cast. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Why are you assuming it's me? It would obviously be you. No, um, definitely not. I wonder, though, if we kept doing this for our whole lives, at some point an episode would come out and we would be dead. 
when it was released. That's sad, isn't it? <laughs> I love the idea Sobering that so, so in sync are we that there will be a point in our lives where we both die in the same week <laughs> just before podcast release. That would be shit for me because you've got a few years on me. I uh, feel like I'd yeah. failed. Oh, what about a year, um, and a, a year and a bit? Not, yeah. not that much more. But it's still enough time that I feel like you should go first. No. E- oh, no, I, but I don't want to go first. Anyway, <laughs> there's a photo for Eeyore's birthday party, which is the Statue of Liberty with Eeyore's head, but still in the same, like, green, kind of papier-mâché-looking. No, no I'm really not having it. Upsetting. I'm That's horrible. No, oh, God, well, don't... Um, so it's nice to be back for episode four, isn't it? This is our first one, and audience may be able to tell. The dynamic, <laughs> I'm sure, is is just utterly different. More shambolic. Yeah, more shambolic. We're testing out the new format. It's not a new format because we didn't have a format, but the no. new geographical restrictions imposed by us not living in the same house. Yes. Um, so I'm where we. I'm in where we've always recorded. So I'm like holding up the that end of the bargain. Declan has fucked off back to his house, some miles away, and it's working all right so far. I mean, it seems to be at least. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still Bit I think a- audible. Yeah, the, your little circle is hitting. There's a button that says I can raise my hand that I will be pressing. Oh, oh, I've <laughs> seen. an obnoxious little hey. So that would be good <laughs> if I'm talking over you, then do feel free to just keep raising your hand like that. Like you are. Yeah, just like that. Um, but how are you? Uh, how do you feel about the distance? Do you think it will bring something new? Do you think it will damage what was such an integral element of our three-show format thus far? <laughs> I think it will involve a lot more of us talking over one another. That's true. Cause we because we're maybe... always... Well, there we go. <laughs> we're always on the verge of doing it anyway. Yeah. And, and I think it was only the sight of the other opening their mouth That's true. that silenced us previously. So maybe what you're saying is we should have had webcams involved next time. Yeah, that's maybe not a bad idea. Okay, I'll make a note of that. Siri? Oh no, I've just seen the obnoxious little hay. Oh, did you not see it before? Yeah, no, it will pop up. Oh, God, no, that's that's awful. Um, Oh, God. Let's just agree now never to press that button unless it's, like, a real (laughs) emergency. I've just seen the (laughs) Eeyore. It's quite haunting, isn't it? We will put it on the Twitter because this is haunting. It looks looks more like Snoopy or a hippo. It looks like someone's someone's encased a Moomin. (laughs) Oh, yes, it is very Moomin-esque. So there's a Moomin thing at the South Bank Centre at the moment. Have you been to it? No, my girlfriend keeps wanting to go, I and I keep telling, and I then, keep telling her it's hippos, and then she gets annoyed. <laughs> but there doesn't actually seem to be anything except a gift shop because I was there when it was on, <laughs> and I asked where is it on because I was in the building, and they just sort of gestured towards a gift shop. So it was just a little pop up, like I didn't even have that much stuff. It was the <laughs> Moomin cartoon DVDs, which are the most haunting incarnation of an already haunting. Finnish export yeah um, weird like ambient music they always had in the movements it's quite like salad fingers oh yeah ahead of its time it's like yeah, it is very round funny. salad fingers um, but yeah so it's not necessarily the most exciting exhibit unless you're so into gifts is that one of those kind of late stage capitalism things where art <laughs> exhibitions are just gift shops? Wow. But maybe the Moomins are really like lampooning capitalism and it's like an intense bit of satire from those crazy guys. What what were they kind of about, the Moomins? What was their ethos? Um, I don't know. I should know. But I keep interrupting my girlfriend when she's talking about them uh-huh. to tell her that they're just hippos. Well, they are sort of the ghost of hippos, aren't they? 
Well, they're that trolls. Was... They're trolls, is what they are. They're, they're not, though, are they? Because no, well, no, no one else look... has ever depicted trolls. No, and they look hippo-esque. identical to hippos. So They've got such silly names as well. Moomin Papa, Moomin Mama, and Moomin Troll. Um, <laughs> that Moomin was the giveaway. Troll, also referred to as Moomin. <laughs> oh, no, there's Just to Snork avoid confusion. Maiden. Snork, Snork Maiden. Maiden. Can you get on board with that or no? No, no. Listen no, to the description of it. She's Moomin's girlfriend, despite there being another character called the Snork. Oh, no, that's her brother. She's happy and energetic, but often suddenly changes her mind on things. That's Snork <laughs> Maidens for you. <laughs> Too what? ticky. Like, is there law? Yeah, oh, there's apparently a lot, yeah. Because I've just read a list of like 20 characters. There's the Groke, which is a ghost-shaped creature that scares everyone. What's ghost-shaped? Um, <laughs> what does that mean? Good question, because the, the ghost, ghost, the ghost the shape is... of what it was. Yeah. There's mm. no, like, there's no industry standard for ghost shapes. <laughs> and if there is, I'm going to take issue with it. Just like assembly line ghosts. <laughs> you just, like, get get cast back to the netherworld if you're not ghostly enough. The Groke definitely was. She says nothing, brackets, she growls. And the ground freezes <laughs> below her. Oh, no. So she was a Dementor before yeah. Dementors were a thing. But here's some sad news. The other characters oh, no. are afraid of her, of course, because she is a ghost-shaped creature well, that scares yeah. everyone. But it says she's just simply very lonely. Well, that's a, a depressing way to start the show. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I'd like Groke, to wrap up episode Groke, four. <laughs> Groke the lonely ghost. <laughs> So look, you've forced topic choosing onto me this week. I have. You said that before the show. Explain well, I why. say, well, because I'm sick of you being a little bitch about me picking the wow. titles. About, oh, I see, I see. So this is a rebellion against that. Yeah, so I've, I've been picking the titles. I've I picked been... episode one title. Yeah, but I gave you... We've been through this before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is such a <laughs> pathetic little fight. <laughs> but I... <laughs> Were roundly scolded the choosing of episodes two and three's titles before the show even was conceived. Exactly, even though they were nice little surprises for you. True. Well, the third one wasn't because I was at Thought Park with you, so I knew that one was kind of on the on the cards. Yeah, but I changed changed it up a little bit. So. <clears throat> you did. You mixed it up. So I've got a long list. I've got my Google Keep note, of course, of podcast topics. Oh, you've managed to find it. Yeah, it popped up. It was. It had archived itself. Actually, it was wasn't magnificently helpful. <laughs> um, Saved it for posterity. Yeah, and so far I've got about twenty things on it, and we've only ticked off two, despite having done three episodes. So we did a whole episode without any topic. Well, no, we just did it with my topic. Oh yeah, fair. So I thought that we could cover today something I know that we both have a lot of thoughts about, a lot to say about, mm-hmm. some experience of. On either Nine. end of Ooh. the... Yeah, exactly. This is in-depth, okay? It's stand-up. And so last time oh, we saw each other no. was when? Uh, it would have been Sunday, so a couple of days ago. Yeah, don't give away the day. But I went to see Declan doing a stand-up set as part of a... What do they call it? Like a scratch night? Yeah, it's the... What's it uh, mean, a scratch night? Uh, I don't know. Mm. I think it means that all of the acts are so hateful you wish to scratch your eyes out. <laughs> it's just uh, code for don't expect too much, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it really is. It's like, this is the first time we're doing this, mm-hmm. or not, 
either way with no confidence in it. <laughs> there are that's quite a few like phrases like that in the theatre world. Test bed, that's another one. That's oh, wow. usually going to imply like I don't know something that someone thought about a minute before they went on stage, <laughs> and they'll probably panic and just take all their clothes off at the last minute. I was about to say after the uh, something they thought of a minute before going on stage. Oh, so like one of our things. That's it. But then yeah. you, but then you talked about everyone stripping naked in in a panic. Oh yeah, not like we haven't that. we haven't done that just yet. I've never panicked enough to find that that was the natural response. No, I can't. What? Where do you have to reach before you go? This could only be helped. Mm. I guess if you've by... got so little material that the only material is your own skin, then that's like that's where you've dived on on board with that procedure. But yeah, so I went to see your stand up. You closed the night, which was a good move by the organizer because indeed you were the, the best thing there. Thank you. That's very quite much. right. So tell us what the experience was like from your end. Well, I'd, I'd done the same night um, a month previously, mm-hmm. and uh, and it had gone really well. I'd done a, a set about uh, children. In what capacity? Oh, teaching. Well, I used to... Yeah, I used to teach. Um, <clears throat> as listeners so, will know, because that came up organically in another yeah, episode. Although that... I, I do dislike that phrase, because most people who say that are about 50. <laughs> but, oh, I used to teach. It makes you but, also sound like you've had a real, like... Like you've changed career rather than, and I'm just, now <laughs> broadly unemployed. <laughs> I used to teach. Now I just sit at home and cry. <laughs> That's the one. But uh, but yeah. So it was just about um, some of the mad things that they say and write, mm-hmm. and how actually, in some instances, they're they seem a lot smarter than the adults running the gaff. Okay. Um, but yeah, it went very well. But I'd tailored it to be fairly uh, family friendly as it were why was that uh well you didn't because, know the room yet yeah you don't know the room and because for these kind of free well I, actually this one isn't free no, is it's it? fucking not about free. That. it's, <laughs> it's for five me pound 50 bastards <laughs> but for these cheap then in a basement somewhere uh-huh. nights you know that they're going to be there's a reasonable chance that they're going to be uh at least a dozen or so sensitive people who aren't ready uh, for some of some, some of home riskier material. That's true. So I so I made it. You know, I mean, there was a Columbine joke still. But, oh yeah, you well, know, beyond there's always a Columbine joke. That's the yeah, there's always one to be had. Yeah, who who wouldn't laugh at, <laughs> at a Columbine joke? I can think of a few people, but uh, yeah. So this month, because I spoke to. Uh, Joe, the organiser, mm-hmm. um, in between, and he said that he loved how dark it was, and I Ooh. sort of nodded along and thanked him, and I was like, "Oh, that was like, <laughs> that was me with like a a, a happy emoji stuck <laughs> to my face." Oh. Um, so I thought I'd I'd do something a little bit darker, um, but for this second, I'm one. not quite sure that you've understood that compliment thoroughly because if he said I liked how dark it was, he didn't say. It should be darker. Didn't wasn't he saying that's about the right level of dark? Your family friendly Columbine um, jokes. I don't know because it like his implication was, and what kind of was revealed across the rest of the the conversation was that he enjoyed kind of a lot darker things as well. Okay, and I so I thought, that. well, you know, he says that, dark. and then he did most of his materials about Easter. 
Oh yeah, well Funny I mean though, his was, material isn't good. isn't necessarily dark, but I think but he sort of seems to enjoy okay. it. So I thought I'll I'll do something a little more risque. Mm -hmm. So what I did was uh, a bit about a date I went on in my first year of uni with a girl who was in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. I remember te you telling me this story like not when it happened, because I don't think we knew each other then. But you told me no, it, like, we didn't know. And it is a real thing that happened. Did you fictionalise anything for the story? Uh, no. I mean, I maybe exaggerated how much of a bitch she was. <laughs> but but if not, then if if you don't do that, then the act seems entirely unfair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on my, she needs to be. on my part. I mean, she was like quite horrible and narcissistic. Okay. Well, that's all right. I think that's but, good artistic license. Yeah, and she did not make it clear beforehand that she was in a wheelchair, which was essentially the crux yeah. of the set. Well, taken alongside the adventurous had... demand. Well, yeah, the love of the outdoors. Um, and what, what I didn't mention at the time, like why I felt particularly cheated, was um, like a, in those days I had short hair. Mm -hmm. I was even paler than I am now. <laughs> I was skinnier, and I had no beard, so I I looked like a white supremacist, um, and I felt cheated that you know I'd been very upfront about my Nazi boy haircut <laughs> and how like, I just looked a like a tit for tat is what you're going for. Yeah, like I like I I was very clear from the off that I looked like a racist. Uh -huh. Even if I wasn't one. Is that in your bio? And, or um, was that just something that you slip in? <laughs> into yeah. The opening gambit? Don't worry about it. Not as racist as I look. <laughs> Not um, as racist as I look is a great like t-shirt we could start selling in Kent. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'd make an absolute. But I, like I'd put that out there, and she had very much hidden. Uh huh. Well, own, what she's just um, not. She's just so used to it that it's not something she's even considered. Uh, I don't think that's the case. <laughs> okay, what if she? I think she knew. I think she knew particularly what she was doing. Although, I mean, to be fair, um, when I uh, spoke to my friend uh, Mark about the set mm -hmm. before I did it, uh, his question was, "Yeah, but if she had been in a wheelchair in one of her pictures, would you have matched with her?" <laughs> Ooh. And I, and I had to sit there and go. Probably not. Wow. So maybe she knows. Because, I mean, I'd just come out of a, a relationship where I'd been emotionally supporting someone for <laughs> a year and a half. I didn't need to be physically supporting Well, anyone. you know, it's a difficult, <clears throat> difficult thing to balance. Yeah. So, uh, so I mean, I, to be fair, I see the game she's playing. Oh, yeah. I just don't like the rules. <laughs> and you didn't stand for them. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I've done that joke again by accident. <laughs> I promise you that did. Was an accident. That's the se that's the second time in our friendship you've done that. What was that? Remember when we um, <clears throat> we were once uh, we were once in one of the campus bars at university, mm -hmm. and uh, a couple of acquaintances of ours from the course came up. And one <laughs> acquaintances, of them... <clears throat> such a, a loaded with we're not your friends. Well, because, well yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I don't want to call. No. I don't want to say friends because we. I mean, we can't by no, a reasonable definition. Yeah, but uh, they came up to us, and we, in a sort of strange moment of kindness, uh, asked if they wanted to join us at our that table. 
and have Probably a drink. drunk. I think we well, I think we were quite drunk. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, it was two in the afternoon, what we were doing. <laughs> and uh, they went, oh, no, it's all right, we're, uh, we'll be fine. And they, they went away inside. And I said, oh, funny they didn't want to sit with us. And you said, maybe that's just not how she rolls. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I didn't mean it as a pun. I'm not very good at puns, actually. Not intentionally, no, anyway. True. Um, okay, well, I think that's that topic covered quite thoroughly. <laughs> are you planning? Are you doing next month? Have you talked? To uh, I don't think that I am because I think I'm uh, on holiday. Oh no! For next month's, you could like. Um, but he was in. saying, he was saying that it's uh, probably going to be changing. Get this <laughs> to a weekly event. Wow! Is there <clears> that much um, comedy th- in the world? Oh, the thing about stand-up comedy is if you say that people can come and do a set, you will find them. It's really interesting. There's there's a there's a um a pub in South London uh that I've done a, a couple of other 5-minute mm. sets. <clears throat> and they have three open mic nights every wow. week. They have I think they do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday <laughs> and consecutive as well twin- as so bold. Yeah, and they have 25 acts each Bloody night, hell. and it's always full. Well, I guess that leads on to <clears throat> what I'd first written down, because originally I put this down like when we were just brainstorming ideas before we started the show, um, Yeah, about bad stand-up, because I, I wrote this list when I was at the comedy festival in Melbourne, where I actually didn't see right. any bad stand-up, mostly because I didn't see any stand-up at all. I managed to avoid it. That's a great way to avoid it. I only saw one show and it was good. It was Richard Gadd who won the Perrier Award at Edinburgh doing a show. And it's not really stand-up. It was like more conceptual. Um, But the one... Oh no, I did. I did see one stand-up. It was was in the basement of an Italian restaurant, which is good. Always a good start. No, no, a Mexican restaurant. I take it back. And it doubled Ooh. as a tequila. I was bar. about to say, I was about to say worse, but then that sounds like a racial. <laughs> yes, it does. Basement of Italian basement. No, basement of Italian restaurant sounds more mobster. Basement of yeah. a Mexican restaurant. I'm thinking is more like for drinking, like a nice time. I think I'd rather be in that than in like concrete in an Italian basement. Yeah, yeah. But then that true. is very much stereotypical. Anyway, it was this guy. I can't remember where he was from. I think. Hungary, maybe, but he lived in the UK, and he was over at the Melbourne Comedy Festival doing. I think he'd booked a better venue, <laughs> if you can believe such a thing existed. Oh, no, but it had like fallen through or something at the last minute, so he was now playing to a restaurant, um, and it wasn't like a. It wasn't quite a different room. It was just sort of a corridor that partitioned them, but quite a wide corridor, so you could still see people eating, and <laughs> they could no doubt hear his set and he he had to do it like three times an evening which I've not heard of people doing back to back stand up oh, sets no so when Especially we in we a were, in a corridor full of people eating food. I know but by the time I was leaving I just like went to the bathroom afterwards finished my beer or whatever he was starting the same set again which oh, is a really no. depressing what, it, was, what, it was that soon yeah it was like a 10-15 minute turnaround oh I see I mean that's pretty soon <laughs> 
That's really like horrid. How did you get everyone out and then a new set of? Well, I can't imagine it was packed. No, it was. Pro- there were probably about twelve people, I would say. And he wasn't bad. He was quite kind of middle of the road, um, but he had a few funny things about like uh, flying. Like it was mostly. <clears throat> I think he came up with his set on the way to Australia because <laughs> it was mostly about airports and planes and things. Right. <laughs> and he was talking about how. Um, you don't want to be on a plane with a baby because you know that if the plane goes down, that baby is always going to get more press than you. And so the only way of counteracting that is if you're famous. But then there's like, he was, he made quite a funny analogy about how, like how many dead babies would Beyonce have to be on a plane with that she died for her to take precedence over them. So if there were like 400 babies and Beyonce, which one of those gets first mention. <laughs> anyway, it was going quite well. And then he said a bold phrase. <laughs> oh no. To a room of people who were for varying reasons <clears throat> like some there's a few kind of like laughs <clears throat> because it's a small room and he's like trying, but he was quite funny like there'd been some some moderately amusing jokes. Then he on the back of that laughter he's riding it like a wave just pauses scouts around the room a little bit with his eyes and says so do you guys you guys want to hear a rape joke silence in the room no he didn't he did he offered it Are you, he offered because, no because i i've told you a, a story where someone did exactly the same thing have you yeah okay in well, fact, let's go we're, we're let's two, intercut them yeah where two people did this on the exact same night with that phrase with exactly that phrase like it was this old guy who is uh emceeing the first stand-up set i ever did which was in a place called the lion's den comedy club which is uh it's in piccadilly circus it's like it's in a basement <laughs> this is so horrible it's in a basement behind the trocadero Ooh. um Savory. and uh yeah and he he was the guy who took our money on the door and then he turned up on stage <laughs> at a comedy the start of the event, which is always a shame. Yeah. Um, but he uh, he was doing his kind of like opening shtick, and he, he'd taken that kind of vibe of, oh, yeah, well, I'm not very good so that it makes the other acts look better. Oh, cop but in a way, But in a way where you know he expected you to be like, oh, no, <laughs> you were good, oh. but he wasn't. Oh, that's a shame. Um he had he he sort of moaned and droned on for about five minutes. Then he said, "I've got a bit that I do. Well, I get the free paper. I just get the free paper from the tube or something. <clears throat> maybe the metro, uh, maybe the standard. Um, and uh, I just I go through and I and I talk about all of the uh, the funny stories. Oh, because there's always some funny stories in there." Uh, talk about all the funny stories from the day and he walked over to the side of the stage and he had a copy of the the standard and he picked it up and he went um but there weren't any today <laughs> and then just and then just put it back <laughs> down and, and came back into the do middle do you have any which, sense that that was itself a kind of meta no. joke because if it was no if it were that would be really i know I, I was thinking that at the time um but there was nothing hmm. to suggest that this was the case <laughs> Um, uh, but then he he came into the middle of the stage and unlike your fellow 
there was no wave that he was riding. Oh, right. Like, it had been silent for Kicking 10 minutes. Kicking a dead ball. Yeah. And, uh, and he just stood, and he did that thing where you know that he's seen another comedian do something similar. <laughs> so he thinks this is what makes something excusable, which is he came to a halt in the centre of the stage, and he kind of peered out with a wry smile and like looked around the room and went I've got I've got a rape joke no reaction there was no what is the reaction supposed to be oh good I I haven't heard one of those (laughs) since primary school wow and he and he and there was no reaction and he went shall I shall I tell it again now I don't know about you I don't know about you but if if I said to a, a crowd of people shall I do something and there was silence I wouldn't take that as a kind of unspoken yes take my clothes off instantly that's the only place <laughs> yeah. to go but this chap undeterred oh. um, just just went I'll do it I'll do it <laughs> and then proceeded to tell I mean, I thank to this day. I cannot remember what it was. Yeah, I see. I can't remember. What I, like, one. I I blocked. I blocked it out. But it was so so horrible, and like the whole room just cringed. And and he was up there like going, <laughs> like oh. chuckling away at it. And I was like, that's you know, you've done absolutely everything in your power to make this as bad as possible. It's such a sh- <laughs> like yeah. you asked, you 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 signposted it. And no one reacted, so you persevered. You asked if you if you should do it, and no one reacted, so you persevered. You did it, and no one laughed, so you laughed. <laughs> like, you've just fallen at every. It's like hurdle. a kind of comment on the the content of the joke that he was about to tell, and that he's like forcing it on an unwilling audience. Maybe wow. it's. A- I wonder if that was <laughs> definitely not the one that this guy told <laughs> was about. Um, I can't again remember. I mean, I was going to say the punchline, but I just don't think there really was one. It it was sort of um, it was one of those anecdotes that people tell where they pretend that they want to, I don't know, like they want it to sound a bit real, but then it just has stupid fantastical details. So it's like, but it wasn't me, right. okay. and it went on for ages. And um, but it was about an autistic girl, and about like, oh, so it, it it really covered so it a lot of offensive bases. It wasn't. It wasn't just a no, rape no, no. joke. It was a raping, anti disabled children. It was also something about a deaf, a deaf person in it as well who got involved somehow, <laughs> probably against their will. <laughs> what was this joke? He's just throwing in. It was like many, yeah, like, it was like a robot in it. It was like subreddit simulator, <laughs> a generated <laughs> an offensive joke for this man, and that was the end of his set though. So he did that joke, and then he was just he didn't have like. Oh no, he kind of did actually. He his running thread because he started at the beginning with the disclaimer that, like, this is one of my first shows. I haven't been here very long, and I've this is fairly new material. So I'm trying to like find out what the show is about. Which, as much as on the one hand, I kind of resent that you haven't at least found out a little bit about what the show is about before presenting it to a paying audience. <laughs> <laughs> I like Stuart Lee kind of does that thing, doesn't he? He says like the show will evolve, and by the end of the tour, it will be quite different and more honed like as compared with where it was at the beginning but you know that he's <clears> starting <throat> with what could be described as a finished yes, product exactly. it's just not one that he's happy and with. so this guy's attempt at kind of capturing that framework around his art 
uh, in inverted commas was to just every so often <laughs> remind us that he thinks that people take offence too easily these days. So, and he would just like just between oh, random jokes, wow. like after the dead baby joke, like no one was offended by it because there weren't any dead babies in the audience, and so everyone was no. just kind of enjoying that joke as mildly as you think you would. And he was like, yeah, but, yeah. you know, guys, come on. I mean, people just take offence too easily these days. And then just launches a completely different joke. And so at the end of the show, he was like... It's a really... <laughs> just wrapping it up, like, yeah, so as we've kind of covered, people, they do take offence too easily these days. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like the sort of, like, old debating, like, adage that, you know, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell it to them, and tell them what you've told them. <laughs> and, and at every point, it was people... Yeah, and it was between offended. every, like bit and just out of nowhere like he did this really long bit about how it sounded like it was going to be quite interesting so he's talking about like intrusive thoughts which is also the subject of Richard Gadd's show which is really good and so I was like oh this could be interesting but then the only intrusive thought he could come up with to illustrate the concept was that (laughs) (laughs) do you ever (laughs) people 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 are too easily offended (laughs) it was it was do you ever just want to kick the head off a pigeon (laughs) no one in the room agreed no because no i've never thought that i've never looked at a pigeon and thought if i kicked its head off that would be a better day that's that's something with that's something there with carl's last day on earth i'd i'd like to (laughs) kick a goose up the ass (laughs) but but like without any of carl's i always love carl's one as well when they're talking about the that tiny little jellyfish i think that can kill like 36 men or something or it might be a frog or something and Ricky Gervais he just <laughs> asks him like, what would happen <laughs> like what would, ha- what would you do if it if it poisoned you and you knew you were going to die and all he can think of is I'd, I'd kick it that's <laughs> 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 the most impotent dying rage <laughs> from Carl but yeah so he does this pigeon uh, I was going to say bit but that would be incorrect <laughs> I would be to abuse the term beyond recognition he just talked, kind of ranted about how he wants to kick the head off a pigeon for a while to a bemused audience of not pigeon racists. <laughs> and then at the end of that, launched back into, yeah, because people, I mean, guys, look at you. People are too offended too oh, easily these days. As if, like, <laughs> as if the bad thing about that bit was not the fact that it was the most unrelatable, <laughs> abstract, <laughs> but unintentionally so nonsense. It was that we were offended by him trying to decapitate How dare this man. all of Trafalgar Square. Yeah. I, it's it really nonsense. like, it's something that I've talked about with my girlfriend because she's come to a few of these things. Um, and mm. one of the things that really surprised me about um, starting stand-up is that you realise how little bad stand-up you've been exposed to. Because even the, like, yeah. even the shit comedians on TV, like, they have at least the ghost of a craft. Like, they have something... Yeah, that like, they know what they're doing. Um, and so you realise, A, how, how much bad comedy there is out there, and B, how diverse it is. Like, it's not um, you're a bad comedian because you do X, Y, Z. It's... Like mm-hmm. you do any one or number of a huge variety of things, um, and one of the most interesting does seem to be this idea of offence, because mm. people don't seem to understand the framework and the conceit 
necessary to do like comedy that could be deemed offensive because you can't just rock up and 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 start you can't just say oh people are too easily offended and you can't just announce that you're going to do a rape joke like you have to establish a character who a would say those things but b is liked enough by the audience that you can get away with those things and see and also if it's oh no gone you have to make sure that the joke itself is not at the expense of yeah of the supposedly offended party like the joke should always in some way be either about you as the teller or switching the dynamic because otherwise it just mm-hmm. doesn't otherwise you are just up there bullying people <laughs> yeah it's the whole like punching down thing but yeah. i thought that was what was um funny about the fact that your bit your routine divided like the people behind me were tutting at my laughter and it was like <laughs> obviously funny and it, it was funny as well because i'd heard bits of the story before but i hadn't heard yeah. all of it but the point of the routine like once you've established that this like joke about the fact that she, in her bio she's like looking for an adventure and an outdoorsy thing and once you've established that your stand-up character is like already a bit of a dick about the whole process regardless of who <laughs> who you're picking just talking about how you like swipe right on everything yeah just for the stats like the joke is no longer i think people just hear the buzzword and are like well that's well yeah you like, can't laugh at the the point was that she was a horrible person who happened to be mm-hmm. in a wheelchair that some of the comedy comes from that but actually the point of the routine is that it was just a it was just a shit date like any other yeah. shit date um and it's just using something else as a vehicle and and as well like like you say the point is that i set my character on stage up to be like a bit of a dick you're not gunning for likability no exactly like the point is that not that i'm presenting this in any way as a as a stance that should be supported a manifesto <laughs> yeah um but people will just launch into into stuff like that and and mm-hmm. and assume that the onus like your guy in um in melbourne to assume that the onus is on the audience not to be offended rather mm. than that it's on you to make it clear that this isn't a, a directly offensive or an, an intentionally malicious mm-hmm. um, pretense. Like, so I don't like blame an audience necessarily who is like, like I feel like if you're going to broach a controversial topic, there should be that kind of ripple of like yeah, uncomfortableness. And, oh, like yeah, how you're and you, it. you know, you you're, you've got to be like prepared for the fact that um, even if even if you're the best like there would be people in the audience who aren't laughing yeah, who don't, who won't, who, don't who won't get it or who like through their own personal experience or something feel too close to a topic to, to find it funny yeah and you've got to be prepared for that i was actually pleasantly surprised by the number of people who went along with my set on yeah. sunday because i've seen it go the other way um and it and it's really like hard because there's a real difference between the silence of an audience who aren't amused and the silence of an audience that's angry. <laughs> um, they're really like Ooh. stunningly different moods, um, and you really feel them. You feel them at the end of a set more than anything. <laughs> the, the other guy, 
who I've told you about, um, who tried a rape joke from that night. I've described him to you as the person you would like least in the world. Oh, yeah. Was this um, the uh, really posh guy? Yeah, it was this really posh guy who was in the bar before the show. And he was like raconteuring. He was holding court oh. to some uh, to some younger uh, guys who were there doing their first set, and it was so painful. Like my brother, my girlfriend, and I were sat in the next booth, and we were just giggling at how <laughs> preposterous he was. Like because he he was sat there, you know, arms stretched out across the seats, like some oh. sort of mob boss, leg like crooked up onto his knee, gin and tonic in front of him chatting about you know this business of show uh, oh, God. and what what separates the really good comedians from the really bad comedians and you're like well if you had this secret you would not be at the lion's den <laughs> comedy club if you were on the right side of that particular fence <laughs> you'd be elsewhere but he, you know kept like talking about all of this uh supposed like pseudo theory mm. about comedy um and then he was the the first no he was the second act on of the night and it was some nonsense about his time at private school something about fucking prince harry something about royal blood on his cock relatable um, like no yeah exactly no laughs nothing mm-hmm. then he good he, th- then he in an almost like carbon copy of the MC, which was an interesting stance to take given the objective lack of success <laughs> that he. Oh, what? Well, this enjoyed. is the same night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was the same wow. night. This was this was about fifteen minutes later. He did the exact same thing. He came to a halt in the middle oh. of the stage. You know, you know, like squinted his eyes a bit, looked out, did a little wry smile. Well, I think he was going for wry. It came off as sex offender. <laughs> Yeah, which was apt because his mm. line was, and and this as well. <laughs> I don't know if I mentioned this last time, like, but this is the thing that perhaps annoyed me the most about his particular foray into sexual assault humour uh, was that he announced it by saying, "I too have a <laughs> rape joke." Imagine oh, that. God. So he and again like. You can only imagine what the audience... Because the audience was 95% the people who were going to be performing. Mm -hmm. There was almost nobody there with guests. So these weren't the most sane people. They weren't the funniest people. But, like, they had clearly shown that they weren't... They weren't there for rape jokes. Mm -hmm. But this guy, too, persevered. And sadly, I do remember his... Um, and it was around the time that um, Kim Kardashian had been robbed. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Um, and his joke was, so cover your ears if you uh, if you don't wish to hear it, was, I heard that the robbers were going to rape her, but they didn't because they've got a bit of class. Well, joke, you say. <laughs> <laughs> that that was how that, he presented it. But was that the whole thing? He didn't even. That was there was the no like satirity. No, that was the entirety of it. It was the first time he'd mentioned Kim Kardashian. So it was just completely out um, of context as well. So it was. Yep, it came. It wasn't a callback. Nowhere. No, it was nothing. It is um, nothing, isn't it? And and again, it makes that that very fatal mistake of not only making it a a 
a rape joke, but a joke where the the victim's inadequacy mm. is the punchline. Like it just does everything wrong. It's like there's the no shortest there's no... way of explaining why it's not funny. Like it's the most yeah, perfect exactly. <laughs> example of a joke that fails on every level. Yeah, it, it just it, there's no um, conceit for you to go along no. with. There's no twist uh, for you to feel um, duped by. There's no irony. There's no parody. There, there's there was no like nothing. imagery. It, nothing. it doesn't do anything. It's as if he just all went up and vomited just snake's blood all over his yeah, own feet. It was <laughs> it, all it was was his own offensive opinion, yeah. <laughs> like that he just said. He may as well have stood up there and gone, uh, "I don't like black people." What do you think? Worse than me? Yeah, like, like <laughs> it's not. It's <laughs> get a like load the, of this. The first, because, because, like, like I say, the whole idea of <laughs> the whole basic premise of a joke is that you are set up to uh, predict or to expect one yeah. thing, and then there's a twist, and you realise where there was the play, either on the words or in the situation. But his his intention. And his stance on the matter was clear from the outset. <laughs> like, like when you say I, I heard they were going to rape her. Well, you, obviously you didn't. Isn't I heard just no the one, weakest no one, no one, stance? Yeah, it's like I it's heard. like it's like Trump's. It's like Trump's. Uh, you know, some of my best friends uh, yeah. are you know are frankly non-Christian. <laughs> Um, it's just I heard is oh, just like I couldn't be bothered to think of a premise, up a premise yeah. for this joke. So, um, I heard they were going to rape her, but like it's clear throughout the whole thing where this is going, and so there's no surprise. You're just like, oh, you come out of it going, oh, so you are as offensive as oh, I thought. Good. Well, thanks for letting us know. Do you know his name by any chance? But, no, but I think that my girlfriend okay. does, so I am going to try and find Should we out. Just... Because he did have a Facebook yeah. page. Can we, like, so, uh... tarnish well, his reputation? What? what you mean, cyber abuse? That's it, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> because I think, for me, certainly comedically, what was more offensive, uh, and I have oh, told yeah. you this, this before, is I uh, think of this, like, every finished. few, probably about every four <laughs> days, this pops into my head. <laughs> Makes me so angry. <laughs> I was. It was the. I knew when I told it to you the first time that oh, it would just, just haunt you forever dreadful. because it's, it's it's the most like everything brilliantly simple bit of loathsome behaviour. If his act was to become so, like the thing that <laughs> I despise more than anything else in the world, then I would pay to see it. He finished up with a bit about uh, David Cameron. He was sad to see David Cameron of go. He was the cunt because. Uh, because he was good friends with David, and David was going to get him a job in the cabinet. But now that David's gone, there's surely no room for a slightly overweight, blonde hair, privately educated, offensive buffoon to be foreign secretary. Like the most laboured, <laughs> artless, guileless... Another one of those political jokes. It's such a contrived setup as well. Yeah, everyone can see where it's going from the second he opens his mouth. So there was obviously not a single laugh. And he waited about five seconds, looked out into the audience and went, No? 
not a politics crowd. <laughs> it's the fucking worst. I don't and know then, how and you like, particularly did not just like deck it. Oh, like I was, Brian my blood pressure had to like, hold me into my chair. Like I was, I was so angry. I was so angry that the only way I was able to let it out was like once he sat down, I just laughed to myself at how <laughs> shit that was. Because he he also like he went the step further and like uh, having said that, sort of muttered m- partly to himself, you know, Boris Johnson. You know, like, oh. well, we all got the joke. God. It As wasn't that we didn't issue. get it. The issue was that it's not a joke. we all knew the punchline before you did. We knew the punchline before you turned before you up, and it wasn't it. funny then. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it was just so. Like, imagine that. But that's another, another thing trap that a lot of people seem to fall into, and it, it really amazes me that people can do this. Is to just, is to blame yeah. the audience yeah. if you don't get a laugh, because. It's objectively not their fault. Uh-huh. <laughs> Your one job is to make sure that they laugh. And they've come to see comedy. Yeah. So, like, uh, uh, the majority of the audience is there ready and willing to laugh. If they haven't, it's not because they've taken... It's, or it's not just because they've taken, like, an ideological opposition to you. Mm-hmm. It's because you weren't very funny. And nowhere is that... Um avoidance of blame better exemplified than in that impressions video i showed you where a guy (laughs) does the (laughs) the least similar it was it was actually impressive how different like how at the other end of a spectrum his impressions were to their intended targets and then be they were as far they were as far from those voices as possible. Like, I didn't know that you could be a British person <laughs> with a British accent and get Ian McKellen so wrong. Don't go my way. <laughs> a wizard is never... Preci- the only bit I, I mean, remember is when he goes, precisely when he means to. <laughs> the, the, the... Don't go my way. Don't go my is way. Like, it's like a little Britain it's character. Horrifying. It's horrifying. Like, it's like it's like Danny Dyer's first episode on EastEnders after a strike. <laughs> like, it's just so bad. And he begins the second video. I think there's been, or it could be the third, but there's been a good amount of time between these videos. And he's put their own. It's a trio. It's definitely the third. Yeah, it's it's definitely. So it's the, the end of the trilogy of Kieran's impressions, and um, he just has this great look on his face of just I don't know. He's kind of puzzled, but also just a bit let down I think he's disappointed yeah. and as well he might be because as he points out he doesn't feel that us in the audience he says I know I don't look like Ian McKellen and he doesn't to his credit <laughs> I know I don't look like Morgan Freeman and he doesn't to his credit he's a white man <laughs> in his 30s but he says you guys just haven't been maybe using your imagination with my impressions <laughs> and as soon as you <laughs> Put the onus on me I, to imagine that you sound I, like the person you're trying to. You can <laughs> fuck off. I I don't think I've cried <coughs> like that in a long while. Just such I was incredible in absolute. I was in absolute pieces <laughs> to like the frame of mind to come to an impression video <laughs> and state that. <laughs> That it is the audience's responsibility to mould whatever you put out there into Ian McKellen's voice. My God, it is Just defeats... 
<laughs> just defeats the entire purpose of impressions as an art form in that anyone speaking their own normal voice any day could be doing an impression of any individual on a... And then really the talent is in our ability to delude ourselves into thinking that Kieran, the just, absolute yeah. idiot, sounds like anyone. Just sitting there, just well, sitting there listening to Theresa May. Get busy dying. Don't care which I just, do. Just Kieran. Just watching... Just watching the news, like George Allagai's there reading it out to you, and you're like, God, he's, he's doing a great Kim Jong-un. Well, I'm Miley Cyrus, George. Because <laughs> I'm great at imagining. Oh, but yeah, so it's this thing, isn't it? it was of, um... People finding, like, the exact mm-hmm. way, like, the most efficient way to undermine an entire art form. The MC, the MC at, the, at that event, later in the, in the show, did, did exactly this again. <sighs> When um, a guy a guy got up to do a set, and he'd clearly been there a couple of times before and done either the same set or or sort of some of the similar jokes, mm-hmm. and there was a joke in there, and I can't quite remember what it was. The guy was um, doing uh, anti comedy, uh-huh. um, which isn't just the, uh, my phrase for anyone who does open mic <laughs> stand up, <laughs> but like the sort of specific form of kind of like poor jokes, mm-hmm. very specific types of poor jokes, and he was actually quite good. Um, I like decent yeah, I like comedy it because it, because it's because it's one of those things a bit like improv that everyone thinks they can do but but very yeah. few can and he was actually quite decent at it. Um, I have the feeling that it was uh, it was sort of like a case of him not. I mean, the main problem with anti comedy is that if you don't if you're not able to signpost early enough that that's what you're doing people will just assume that you're another shit comedian. <laughs> True. <laughs> so I, about two minutes into his five-minute set, I clocked that this was kind of intentional, and I, and it was quite good. Um, but though he had a joke in there, and I can't remember what it was, but the punchline was based on the fact that we say autumn and the Americans say fall. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it got a laugh. And he sat down after the set, and the MC came back on stage. He was like, oh... So glad to see Ryan, uh, Ryan doing well there, because um, it we get oh we get all sorts in here we do, and uh, he's done uh, he's done that joke about fall, he's done that joke about fall I think three times is it three times Ryan yeah three about three yeah about three times now, and oh they've never got it they've never got it yet and they haven't and they haven't laughed and I, I I've said to I've said to him after everyone if they don't get it. Just explain it to them. <laughs> <laughs> the number oh, one rule of comedy. I can though. just imagine if your joke needs to be. <laughs> I can imagine being so confident with that advice as well. Here, here you go. Look, come, come and sit down with me. What you want like to do? The wisdom of ages. Yeah, like he's some sort of oracle at Delphi that all these poor yeah. stand-ups need to have explained. And just like the number one rule of comedy oh. that if your joke needs to be explained, it's, it's not tight failure. enough. Like. <laughs> it's just like he's thrown that out the window. So obvious as well. No like, time. Come on, let's just explain it to him. Yeah, just just tell Clear him how day. the joke works. Explain where the word play is, and then tell the joke again. Then what you're going to want to do <laughs> they... is segue into a rape joke. Be sure to ask him first, lad. Don't want to offend anyone. Make sure, make sure you signpost. But if they don't want do it, it anyway, give it to him either way. Oh dear. <laughs> so my theory then is that um. And kind of what in, instigated the topic for me is that there's something specific to stand-up as an art form that attracts 
the most delusional people in a way that like i know there are lots of really mad well we both do because there's a whole subreddit for like delusional artists there are lots of mad people who are drawing nonsense and think that it's resembling anything there's a lot of like people who go and film their like show reels and have obviously never spoken aloud a line from a bit of paper in their life (laughs) (laughs) and there's a lot of singers who will be eliminated from like Britain's Got Talent because they're just shouting abusive language or something but there's like certainly in what I've come across and not even having seen that much comedy because I don't really seek it out very often um, it just seems like there's such a high density of people who have this incredible ability to invent extenuating circumstances for their own failure <laughs> like every turn <laughs> I, I I think like because I, I have tried to come up with a reason if only to keep myself <laughs> sane but I think that the problem is that stand up more than other art forms has the biggest distinction between what people perceive it to be or to consist mm-hmm. of and what it actually does like everyone everyone knows what makes a good drawing a good drawing like what makes a good drawing is if it looks like <laughs> the thing you're drawing or indeed you know it, if you manage to capture a a, a decent or a relatable mm-hmm. impression of it like everyone knows what makes good acting good acting like you can see it and recognize it at once um and with writing it's it's similar but people don't realize that stand-up isn't just oh i'm funny with my friends if i get up on the stage people Mm. will laugh like there's a whole there has to be a whole conceit to everything that you say there has to be a reason for it because it's it is by its nature the most contrived art form because you're saying like up front like come along i'm going to stand here and i'm going to make you laugh um so people are like already prepared in a way like they're they're ready to laugh but they're also prepared mm-hmm. not to and you've got to you've got to like bring them in you've got to bring them along and get them on board and then take them through your story take them through the journey of your set and people think that it's okay to just get up there and say a few like funny things and funny words and sometimes it is and sometimes it'll work and if you're a likable person there's every chance that an audience will take to you on stage but if you don't have a story or if you don't have a structure uh yeah a, a structure a premise for the jokes that you're going to tell you're having to work equally hard for each mm-hmm. one that your fifth joke is just as you're working just as hard to get a laugh as you are your 23rd as you were for your first whereas if you bring people along you can kind of ride that wave and take them with you and you can explore it and people just don't understand that it takes more craft yeah. than just getting up there i feel like part of it as well is like um people's experience of being funny will be much more like central to their lives than their experience of say their ability to like act so you don't really go around yeah. like acting with your friends very often unless you're in a, like a troop yeah. of bastards but if <laughs> if like fred makes his mates laugh then i can just see why 
because people are kind of like protective about what they find funny I think and it's really like people are very fiercely defensive of comics that they like and what like I know what's funny is a much stronger statement than like I know what good acting is or I know what good like I I know what paintings I like doesn't really have the same bite because I don't think people (laughs) care care as much in general because they just don't have any experience of it unless you're like going to learn the craft well because the idea of like of laughter is to show other people that you get the joke as well it's a very social Mm. thing whereas enjoying a painting is not like you enjoy a painting by yourself and whilst you can enjoy comedy alone part of the point is that you're sharing that with other people and so it, it it is something that people are quite defensive of because it's supposed to be it's like rejection if mm. if people don't agree with what you find funny if you're like oh i love you know oh i love stuart francis i think he's like really funny and people are like oh no i don't it's it's like a rejection of you yeah like it's a much and broader your, statement and your humor yeah it's a, a lot about like just your outlook and things and especially yeah. with like political comics like all the the circuit racists that still meander around like working men's clubs it's yeah. a weird, I don't know, there's a kind of like, it's really cliquey, but in a an almost like political group kind of way. It's like, it's yeah. the only place they can express these sentiments, especially with like PC stuff and all this great work that's being done people, about how people are too offended, too these, offended days. these days. <laughs> it just becomes like a kind of, I don't know, like a meeting point for people of the mm. same, it's more than just what they find funny. It's like their whole identity is yeah. met by this kind of stand-up. And also... Well, you... Go on. No, well, just practically, like, if I wanted to put on a play, it's a lot more effort than if I wanted to wander down to a pub and start oh, yeah. shouting racism. Yeah, like, people people think that it is just something that you can just kind of, like, head down there and do. Yeah. The, the number of... if you, Especially if you go to free ones, the number of people who just turn up and they don't have anything, like, prepared... Oh, um, how could you do just, that, though? It just but makes they, me feel but sick. But they turn up... And they, it's a very specific sort of person normally. It's normally like a very, very confident, mm. like cocky, um, normally like uneducated, but like in a way likable kind of um, of man. Like usually. guy down the pub. Yeah, but younger than that. Oh, really? Yeah, and they turn up. And some of them, like, you sort of quite take to, and others you just hate yeah. instantly. There was a guy at one who he just turned up and he was like, Yeah, I'm, I'm Charlie. Yeah, this is a, I'm, I'm, I'm a Cockney. And you're like, Well, you're not. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm sat there next to my dad, <laughs> born and bred East London. Like, live, grew up in Forest Gate, lived most of his life in, like, Newham. Yeah. Kind of, like, this man, this man is a Cockney. You are just a dickhead <laughs> who has co- co-opted, co-opted an accent to disguise your own stupidity. Oh. Like, and he's there like, yeah, and uh, we, we Cockneys, we, we talk like this. Yeah, we do. We talk like this. And like, no, no, not <laughs> Dick Van Dyke <laughs> talks like that. Um and he did some something about a Cockney walk, which was ripped oh. off from Mickey Flanagan, I think. Good. Um, and then the rest of it, he stayed on stage for nine minutes. It was a five-minute set. 
Like they did, they literally were fighting him off the stage, and he was just—he was just ranting. It was like someone. It was like a scene from Network, but <laughs> but without any of the drama or the art. And he just kept like screaming like his own name. And then at the end, there's like a little uh, ceremony where the uh, the actors who were the most liked kind of get up and how's that measured? Like a clap. Uh, so at the end of each act, uh, they uh, the MC asks if you want to buy him a drink. And if the, there's like enough of a whoop or a cheer from the audience, then the bar buys them a drink, oh. and they're in, and they enter into the clap off at the end. And then you, yeah, it's just like a clap off at the end, and whoever wins gets a, a small trophy. That's cool. And he wasn't involved in this, and, but he got up on stage anyway <laughs> and just started plugging his own Facebook page, which I, which um, we should find. He was showing someone, which he was showing someone afterwards, and it wasn't like a. A page for his comedy. It was like literally just his profile. Oh. <laughs> just wanted wanted more friends, seemingly. That's um, unfortunate, um, isn't it? But there was a similar guy a couple of weeks before who I did quite, <laughs> who everyone quite liked, just because, in a sort of weird Black Mirror esque way, it was like watching someone like collapse on stage, <laughs> like just implode. Because he got up on stage and he clearly he did a little intro about himself and. Uh, He's like, yeah, so uh, I'm just here. I'm just going to do like a bit of stand-up. I'm, you know, whatever his name was from wherever. Um, and he did a couple of prepared jokes that weren't that good. And then <laughs> it all fell apart because the idea was that he was going to do a bit of um, on-the-spot comedy, audience interaction. Ooh. And he went, someone shout out a word, any word. <laughs> and someone, someone went, cauliflower. And he went, not fucking vegetables. Oh yeah, no. Sorry, right. I forgot that famous rule. And he's like, "What? What am I supposed? I can't do. I can't do jokes about vegetables. I can't do. I can't. I'm, no, I, like, there's nothing. Like, there's nothing funny about them. No, no. I, I need a different word. So, like, a fucking room full of comedians just started yelling out different <laughs> fruit and veg, and he just couldn't do anything. He just like for the whole app was there going, "Just fucking. What is this? What is this? Have you all come together? Have you all come together? <laughs> like." Just give me a word. Just give me a word. It isn't a fucking fruit. <laughs> just give me a word. It isn't a fruit, bro. I just, just I would anything. Love to like, know what he was going to do with the word. I know. Like, we never found out because he just and then he like just ran to the back of the stage and stood there like with his head in his hands, kind of breathing really oh heavily God. for a bit. Like it's I was intense. sort of worried that I was sort of worried we were going to get batter clammed or something. <laughs> like it was absolutely mad. And then he came out and he was like, right. You've got like one minute left. Someone, just give me a word. And uh, and there was silence. Like no one wanted <laughs> to be the first person to 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 do. And then like from the back, this enormous black man just went mango. <laughs> and he went and he went right. Fuck off. <laughs> got off the stage. I like the idea. He was he was like kind of threatening the audience like he was going to really take it out on whoever dared to say the next fruit <laughs> just couldn't do anything it's so funny took a like, like, I'm not, not, not prepared for this the the audience bought him a drink they were like they wanted him back in the clap oh just because just because it had been the funniest bit of the night so far it's like, like just car watching crash. him fall apart it's so, wow. the poor bastard like but again like what did he expect from the night do you think I think he expected far fewer fruit and vegetable to be <laughs> shouted at him. And that was where he went wrong by encouraging it. But I just wonder, like, 
if your premise is so loose as name a word, but then you've got secret restrictions. Like, just tell us beforehand. <laughs> like, maybe you don't yeah. want any adverbs. So, uh, shout, out, shout out a word. But uh, if we can avoid all political vocabulary, uh, any fruit, veg... Nothing to do with the elderly, because uh, they're off limits. No. Uh, Asian actors <laughs> don't... Don't I'm take not, the I'm piss, lads. Jackie Chan. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a shame. And, and farmyard animals. Like, it's just... It's so... Like, there was so little. <laughs> there was just no substance. The substance was him being furious mm. at a room full of people which I guess is like, funny but not for any reason that he's in control of no not intentionally <laughs> in any sense um it's there's a bit of a crossover with improv though like you say he was trying to do some improv and that's yeah. normally shit as well so let's unpack that a bit well we we sort of like segueing from comedy to um to improv uh the only appropriate vessel for this is a pub called Dropkick Murphys. <laughs> now, Dropkick Murphys is a pub opposite a crime uh, venue. <laughs> it's opposite uh, the smallest venue at the mm. Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Um, Down the scariest alley in lovely it's Edinburgh. Under a bridge Past next to some bins. T- yeah, tucked away. Um... But inside, it's quite enormous it's really, and quite it was nice. cavernous, but very dark. Yeah. It was a bit, well, which is and quite cavernous, I suppose, also. Importantly, empty. Oh. <laughs> very, like, <laughs> resoundingly. You could have fit 500 people easily Well, the, even the bit that was just for the venue, because they just had, like, one yeah. room, like a hall, that was probably 150, like, seats. And if you were had it, yeah. like, if people were crowded, standing up, enjoying the show, just like they weren't, then yeah, infinite <laughs> hell of a Instead, capacity. there were a dozen, if Generously, that, yeah, a I would dozen say more people, like seven or something. Yeah, uh, there was the one barman who kept just leaving as well. <laughs> yep, while there was n- nothing to keep no, them there, very little. Um, and this summer just passed. Um, I took Isaac there because I'd been there the year before um, and this year there was what could loosely be described as some comedy mm, very <laughs> um, loose. which involved an African fellow who just about spoke enough English to get his act across. because he'd been doing stand-up in like I think he was Ghanaian and I think he'd been he's, yeah. uh, he was used to doing stand-up in not English and this was like his first tour of doing it in English. Just in case anyone's wondering, this was the free fringe. <laughs> <laughs> True. And then there was a, um, a woman... A woman whose act revolved around the fact that she was uh, a Muslim, so it was okay for her to mock Yeah, she Jews. really, really hated <laughs> Jews, didn't she? She wasn't a fan yeah, of she was. She was really like... If she was everyone's idea of what the Israel-Palestine conflict <laughs> is about, <laughs> just encapsulated in one she's shit Dershowitz's stand-up comedian. Stereotype, aggressive <laughs> yeah. Palestinian. She's 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 what he believes. Everyone, every one of those lying yeah. Palestinians. Like it was really surreal. Um, but each of them, 
went about 40 minutes each we were there for yeah. so long and essentially like the setup is that there was this as Isaac said there was sort of a, a big hall that was comprised of the main bar which was quite a long feature um, and they were in that that section mm-hmm. um, sort of packed into the middle and of using it, a mic helpfully to all of their yeah. one audience <laughs> member but, which, which was helpful for us because we were just down a small <laughs> flight of stairs, which corner. was sort of cut off from that section by by a curtain, and we were lying down in this boot, <laughs> crying to ourselves at just how poor this was. How there wasn't like, silent the reactions. Right? There wasn't a single laugh mm. in the hour and a half that we were there. Not one. It was really up. Really odd. I think if I hadn't been drinking, I would have been very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, uh, which was made all the worse when the when they finished, and then they both did this joint pitch, asking oh, yeah. for donations. And you're like, what? Why? <laughs> what? What? What have you done other than waste everyone's life. ninety minutes of our lives? <laughs> like it was. There's no words to get across how the opposite of comedy this mm, was but the thing about it was it wasn't like um, it, the guy's routine if you can call it that was not like it wasn't <laughs> out there it wasn't offensive like he wasn't being nasty like, he was just kind of talking in fairly broken English about his life and it was quite interesting but it wasn't in any way funny it wasn't funny but it also no. didn't feel like he thought it was supposed to be funny because he wasn't really leaving like <laughs> laughter breaks no. <laughs> so I don't really know what <laughs> was, he thought it was it, it was, was just doing. it was just a monologue yeah which it was like a sort of it was like a talking yeah, head <laughs> and it was it was like quite enjoyable to listen to but the Next, the woman who followed was just... She clearly was doing comedy, in inverted commas, but it was just very offensive, offensive <laughs> and just kind of nasty. <clears throat> and, you know, we're no we're no fanboys of Israel. Oh, no. <laughs> but, uh, but even Finkel we were Stein there forever. like, well, this is... Yeah, this is just obscene. Yeah, it was very but odd. But the reason, the reason that I'd taken Isaac to Dropkick Murphys for this shambles was I was hoping for something like this because the previous year I'd been there by myself. I was waiting to see a show in the venue opposite uh, that some friends were in and I had an hour to kill and there was a pub opposite. So I figured I'd check it out. And in there, <clears throat> again, free fringe, um, was an improv troupe. <laughs> now improv, as we mentioned earlier, is one of these things that everyone thinks they can do especially friendship groups friendship mm. groups are, are notorious for thinking that they can do improv because they make each other laugh isn't it perfect Without as well that the collective noun we've agreed on is troop one of the wankiest of all <laughs> to describe yeah, one of the exactly. worst things you can do it, because it implies a professionalism that is never present but yeah uh, this was an, an instance of of people who seemed like five strangers who had been <laughs> cobbled together so like lovely. taken off taken off the streets put into a van unloaded into dropkick murphys told the rules to a few improv games and told make them laugh <laughs> or, or your family or against your family slaughtered. yeah like and they presented this show with all of the finesse of someone who is sweating for their own life. <laughs> like, it was honestly one of 
the most shambolic performances. I no, I'm not even going to call it a performance. It's one of the most shambolic travesties I've ever had the misfortune to witness. Again, I was there for an hour. There was one laugh in the entire hour, and that was and that came from something I did <laughs> because they they uh, they had a game that involved two performers, two artists, artists. if you will, yes, uh, who were supposed to act out a scene, but they weren't allowed to move, and instead their movements had to be operated puppet style by myself and another girl who for whatever reason volunteered you volunteered you weren't chosen uh, oh yeah no i volunteered i wanted to get up on that stage um and so we were there and one of the the things that identifies a particularly weak improv troupe (laughs) is that they don't know how to take suggestions Mm -hmm. so like if you've ever been to an improv show like a decent one then you know that like they will take so many suggestions and then pick one that they feel is the best vehicle for comedy because otherwise if you've got a crap premise then it's just not going to be funny um sadly this troupe seems <laughs> seem to be afraid of their audience so also there were only about 5 people watching so there wasn't a lot of scope for suggestions so they took the first thing that anyone suggested every time and they said, uh, uh, "Let's have a scene. Uh, what should we have? Something that you do in the something you do in the home." Someone put their hand up and went, uh, "Baking." And they went, "Thank you very Hilarious. much. Yes, a scene about a scene about baking. <sighs> Off you go." So, as you can imagine, it was the most <laughs> humorless, <laughs> dry, <laughs> informative, <laughs> box standard conversation between Hello. two people about about one of them thinking about doing some baking and uh they had the cheek about a minute in because neither myself nor the girl had moved either of them to be like oh we're very still wow they're having a go but what haven't haven't provided any impetus (laughs) for movement other than maybe yawning uh as of yet so anyway one of them began to uh to say that they were doing some baking, so I'm like you know pretending to hold the bowl and mix mm-hmm. and pour it into the, the classics and put it in the yep yeah, and put it in the oven. Not a laugh yet, weird uh, because there hadn't been anything because there hadn't been anything. It was, just a man been any it was literally it was it was literally it was like it was more like some sort of rehabilitation <laughs> like scheme, like a troop of people who go in to teach you how to like order something in a bakery when you're coming out of <laughs> no, prison. For it sounds like you're like their physio helping them with like lateral motion <laughs> for the first time since yeah, a horrific it was, accident. It wasn't far off, like. There was genuinely no humour. It was just someone asked if they could make them some cake. So they did. (laughs) And they got them out of the oven. And uh, my character offered the cakes to someone. And the other one took one and took a bite. And went, oh no, I don't like those. So I used the actor whose hand I was controlling and just slapped the other one in the face <laughs> with it. and the audience just applauded <laughs> the only thing that they made a noise for all afternoon was one of it was the performers getting like, hurt grabbing at <laughs> oh, the wrist proper, like, limp backhand back of the hand 
nail slapping on Satisfying the cheek contact. kind of slap. And I think that they like they were going to object, but then they realised that it was the first laugh they'd had all oh, day. <laughs> so they didn't want to ruin it by saying, no, 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 we don't approve of this. Oh, dear. It, it was, again, it was everything that improv is mm. not. It wasn't witty. It wasn't fast-paced. Uh, it wasn't audience-inclusive. It wasn't funny. It was <laughs> like, That was the heavy. main crime. It was just, yeah. It was heavily involved with everyday mundane Maybe they've got tasks. like a Greg sponsorship that they're really trying to make the most <laughs> out of. But yeah, like, why... Who told these people? Like, who enabled them? They're the real criminals, aren't they? The people who, after, mm. like, the girl who was before you did stand-up again, loosely. She just sort of stood there and oh, talked yeah. about... Um, she was kind of in character, again, loosely. She didn't talk, really. That She was silent for most of it. Yeah, she was silent and laughing at her own failure, I think. Broadly. Oh, yeah. She was just standing and talking about, like, dynamism in companies. I think it was supposed to be, like, a pastiche of corporate culture, as Freddie pointed out, by someone who's never had a job. Which is a shame. Yeah. But yeah, so <laughs> she she said at one point in... It was going so poorly that she even acknowledged it and said, I rewrote this bit like two hours ago or something. And I think she'll go home. And rather than reflecting on the fact that she's shit at stand-up and that it's an atrocious act that should go nowhere, she'll be like, yeah, well, it was probably because I rewrote that bit two hours and I didn't give myself enough time to like learn yeah. it and internalise and kind of feel the story beats and that's the greatest and shame a, of all and her yeah and her roommates will say no yeah because there were people yeah, like was, laughing really so hard but so clearly yeah. like that kind of shrill fake laughter you're much better than that guy who slagged off the girl in the room <laughs> <laughs> but the the best bit of uh, of this girl's act was um, I missed the beginning of it because I knew I was going on after so I, I went up uh, to go to the loo and I came down, so I missed the first three minutes mm-hmm. or so of it. And uh, and I watched the uh, the second three minutes of it and was very bemused because I think she only said about one word in those <laughs> three minutes and the rest of it was this strange, like, oh, she was doing shit the weird interpretive dancing. Stuff, that, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I, I tapped the host on, on the shoulder and I, I just whispered to him, I was like, sorry, I, I missed the start. What was the conceit here? And he he turned around and he went, I just don't know. <laughs> so accurate. Because she didn't tell us. Which is like such a a shame for everyone in the audience to have missed. Yeah. <laughs> because the you know, not that the rest of the act was any good, but it really has no hope if they don't know why you're even doing this nonsense. No, it was a real shame. But it's just the like endless ability to provide a reason for why it's failed yeah it just never stops with you because i feel like if i was really bad at say podcasting i'd want a listener to email in to that's a shame cast (laughs) at gmail.com wow have you have you done segues before (laughs) and tell me your segues are shit or like you need to stop this and if they were firm enough and their argument coherent enough then I'd be like yeah I, I need to stop this because it's just not yeah, it's well, not friendship is it to just let your friends go no, up and I know it's not fair it's not nice like we always like my family I always think this you know on things like the X Factor or Britain's Got Talent when people go on and they are objectively shit mm. like it's not even close to singing it's not one of those like oh you know some people 
some people like Justin Bieber, some people don't like Justin Bieber. It was this person didn't hit a note and they just <laughs> cried their way through a, a song, squealed their way through. And the judges go, you're a fucking mental case. <laughs> don't ever get out of me again. Get out of my sight. Don't get ever make noises again. Yeah. And they're like, Nan. It's always like their Nan like comes in. How and dare like, you? You've been, you've been so harsh, Simon. You've been so harsh. She's, she's got the X she factor. She got the I voice love, of an angel. I love, I love when people say the. It's X such a bold like thing to proclaim, act, like, like, it's, like it's an actual thing. She's pointing like at her it's elbow. A thing that exists. Look, she goes, Simon. She's got, she's got the X factor. I can taste it in the air, Simon. <laughs> you're lying if you say you can't. Yeah, well, who are you helping? Like you're not. It's just, it's just not. It's it's not conducive. It's just cowardice. To I anything think. close to success. Yeah. It's either cowardice what? or it's like trying to live vicariously through someone else, which is its own yeah, cowardice. Yeah, I think it's that. And my like one of the things that I I'm very grateful for is that my dad, from the youngest age that I can remember, has always been brutally honest mm. about uh, about anything that I've done. Um, and when it, when you know when my dad says to me you did really well there. It means something because exactly. I know that he means it. What, my The first thing that I remember, I don't think I've ever told you this, you're going to fucking love this. <laughs> um, the first instance of this that I remember was I drew uh, like a Valentine's card for a girl at school mm-hmm. when I was like... 20. Seven. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and I mean... This looking back on it, this could be where my romanticism ended, <laughs> but uh, it was it was a keyhole. I'd drawn a keyhole, and through the keyhole, there this was is like creepy. Kind of bu- there was like a bucolic sort of idyll on the other oh, okay. side. Like it wasn't like her like, bedroom. Uh, no, no, because <laughs> that's the impression <laughs> she was, she I was got. In the sh- she was in the shower <laughs> on the other side. Is that psycho? Um, no, it was like a kind of, you know, like rolling hills, yeah. rainbow, blue skies. And I'd written, I've unlocked the door to loving you. Oh, you're dreadful. <laughs> right? Imagine that. But It's even mean. <laughs> right? But no. But I showed it to my dad. God knows why. I, showed I know that's a weird dad, instinct, isn't it? Right. To be like, I think like, to be like, is this okay? And he took one look at the keyhole shape and went... You've drawn a cock, son. (laughs) (laughs) So I can imagine him answering that so quickly without even changing his expression. It it took him no 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 joke. Like I I I was so offended. Like I I remember being borderline in tears about this and. Like Dad did not stop. He got he went to the shelf and got down this like family encyclopedia of medical health and found like an anatomical <laughs> drawing of a cock. Oh wow, so you had put some it next Oh yeah. That's amazing. Put it next to put it next to my Valentine's yeah, That cock. is a cock. And when so. it's the exact same <laughs> shape. Get rid of it. Oh my god. That's so good. But he's not a yes but, man. No. <laughs> far from it. But I tell you what, like I look back on it and I think, thank God. Yeah, because <laughs> like, there's no greater gift than someone who won't bullshit. No, about the quality of stuff that you're doing. No, that's why like, you've got to surround yourself with people who are 
inherently unsupportive. Exactly. And critical. The, the sad thing is that most people don't seem to agree with this, uh, mm. as evidenced by our failed pitch <laughs> to become... <laughs> I was just thinking about this, yeah. ...to become uh, the writer's... What even was the position? Some, like uh, writer's, writer's consultant or king. something. Yeah, for the for the York University Drama Society, we ran as a as a, a double, a kind of double-headed monster, like one of those <laughs> yeah. those horrible cyclops thing. And uh, uh, we we ran on a pitch of we won't let shit be put on. <laughs> yeah, our platform like, was there's too much student writing, and it's yeah. mostly shit. <laughs> so <laughs> let's just can it. The our like immortal motto was we're not yes men. <laughs> Yeah, we we're we're not going to just nod everything through. Mm-hmm. If if you send us a script and it's poor, we'll tell you it's poor, and we'll, we'll gladly gladly help you like better it. But you've got to be willing to admit that maybe your first draft of your play about a toadstool that makes about everyone vote Labour, Lords of like, Hell, <laughs> yeah, living just together in a room isn't isn't going to be the next waiting for Goddard. Yeah. And that's not from a position of us being excellent. I think there's there's this backlash whenever I raise any of these things, because this is one of the topics that I sometimes accidentally become a bit too passionate about in conversations, and people go, yeah, oh, this, oh, you're not joking. This, no, <laughs> you're not yeah, this, this, th- this and our stance on bullying, which I'm sure will come up in <laughs> a later <day>. podcast. <laughs> yeah, let's let's ease people into that. That's like episode yeah, 10. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's one of those things that, like, the, the immediate backlash is, well, what makes you think that you're like in a position to be able to judge stuff. And I don't think that I'm like especially astute or that I have like much better background in like reading plays. No. The average person can tell if something's shit. They just won't tell you. Yeah. And I think that's the problem. It's just, it's what qualifies is that you, myself, and like uh, uh, the people that we've chosen to surround ourselves with, um, are people who are willing to say that doesn't work? Yeah, and it's not nonsense. mean it as, and it's not, and recognise that that's not an ad hominem. That's not a you can't write, or a, this you're not good. talented. It's this didn't work. Yeah, um, like try something else. And there's just nothing helpful in saying this is really really good. Um, you should yeah, you should like try. You should you should put it on, or you should just do another draft and it'll be perfect. Like. There's nothing constructive in that. No. It doesn't help people. And it is painful to watch a lot of stand-up at these events and see people afterwards with their friends being heavily congratulated for what was drivel. Yeah. Um, and knowing that they won't, they won't blame themselves ever. It's like the Hillary Clinton factor. That it's always <laughs> it's always someone else's yeah, fault. Yeah, there's always someone someone to pin it to. It's, yeah. it's part of this it's greater like abdication of responsibility that that sort of goes on like in the arts. It seems more than anywhere else that mm. if something doesn't succeed or doesn't do as well as thought as predicted, that it's anyone's fault but your own. Um, yeah. And that's like it's not a, a healthy position to be in because it provides no room for you to get better. Yeah, and it also just stigmatizes failure in a way that art just shouldn't. Because no, there's exactly. only one way to improve, and it is by starting off with whatever your base level of 
natural yeah. or environmental acumen is and then being told what's wrong and how to get better yeah you like you just you you can't see anything other than a, a perfect review as like a slight on you yeah. and everything that you stand for because it's not it, it's an opportunity for you to for you to like get better it's like like if if your tutors gave every essay a first give up and then yeah and then you know it comes to crunch time and in your exams you get thirds well they've strung you, know, you along the bastards it, yeah they've just they've just lied to you yeah. you wouldn't you wouldn't accept that and you would say that this has been poorly managed that this has been poorly run that people weren't told the truth so why why does that why do we not stand, stand for, it for in art, slam poetry <laughs> i think we should get into slam poetry another week we've run oh 92 minutes yeah, that's, so that's I think, quite good for us. I think now and also a time to start a four-hour diatribe <laughs> against slam poetry. <laughs> the lowest anyone, of the lows. Anyone who has the audacity to to bother with it. Um, yeah. Surprisingly, apart from that last bit about slam poetry, quite an optimistic ending we've come to, though. I'd say this is one of the like, I don't know. It's quite a a happy thought. What was the happy thought? I think well, I missed it. <laughs> was I here for that? <laughs> I don't know, I just think it's quite... It's nice th- that we've identified that it's okay to fail. And anyone who's oh, listening who wants to yeah, fail, have good. a fail. I Listen to I... us failing at podcasting <laughs> and in- be inspired. I suppose I didn't see it as a happy point because it came in the guise of no one else realises this and they're all rubbish. <laughs> so, <laughs> Look, so it's happy I didn't for us necessarily. I didn't necessarily see it as as the optimistic idea that you did, but I I think no, you're right that it is a mm-hmm. it is a good thing to say that people can fail and and it not be the be all and end all, uh, and we better hope it's the case because this podcast is a fucking shambles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This one in particular, we had a, a rocky start. I think we got better at not cutting over each other, apart from that we last did. bit where we just did it a lot. Yep. But that's life, you know. Sometimes the roads will intertwine. And sometimes those roads are people speaking at the same time. But I think that's... Wow, uh, poetic bullshit. (laughs) It's okay to fail, Declan. Okay? Back (laughs) off. So let's plug Twitter. I was going to, before this show, think of a way to plug it that kind of inspires people to tweet, but I haven't. So So let's do that for next week, because also this episode's like... This is still early days. Yeah, because we're we're very... um, happy to see and very surprised to see uh a Anyone's larger number listening. of downloads than we ever <laughs> yeah than we ever expected yeah. given that we uh, are only this week starting to actually plug the show yeah. because we wanted a bit of a a bit of a, a back catalog for people to look through. exactly um uh, and partly Thoughtful. because we d- didn't want to sell ourselves on the basis of that first episode hey i like that first episode but yeah like we're we're very pleased to see that there are apparently people listening to this um, so please three countries do, uh, we're in. Yeah. Nuts. US, UK. And of course, Sweden. Sweden. <laughs> Known for its love of uh, <laughs> British podcasting. podcasting. Yeah. So yeah, so if you are listening, then do get in touch with us. Send us a tweet. At give us a follow. That's a shame cast. That Twitter again, yes. Declan. That's a shame cast. And look, if you tweet us something, then we'll come up with some... Like, if we don't know you, I don't want anyone I know is about to tweet this account. They might as well just fuck off. <laughs> if you're a stranger, you can't go making like a new account dance to pretend that you're a stranger. 
But if if you're someone we've never <laughs> met before and you send us a tweet, we'll come up with some way of, of like making your life more interesting. Which sort of sounds like a threat now that I say it out I was about to say, yeah, that... that <laughs> One day you're going to wake up kidnapped <laughs> in Marrakesh. Just in the back of a van with a hood over with your that, head. that dog from our podcast art just staring at you, stapled to your face. <laughs> it's going to be gorgeous. You just, like, wake up in the middle of the night, like one of those night terrors, and he's, like, at the bottom, <gasps> and there's, mu- there's music box playing. <laughs> and we're holding the letters that say, that's a yeah. shame, above it on, like... Don't exactly. hug me, I'm scared. Pipe cleaners. So all of that, Where at That's a Shamecast. You can follow Declan <laughs> at Cynical Declan. You can follow me at Isaac BD. Uh, I've been Isaac. You've been? I've been Declan. Oh, you have And together, well. <laughs> we've been... That's a shame. <laughs> we'll see you next week. See you next week, guys. <laughs> Necessities, simple bare necessities. Forget about your worries and your strife. I mean the bare necessities. Oh, Mother Nature's recipes that bring the bare necessities of life. Some honey just for me The bare necessities of life Will come to you Come to you